Second reading comes from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, the resurrection of Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what we, you believed. Almost created the second stage drama of the morning. club to be part of. Uh, good morning, my name's Simon and uh, good Friday to you. Uh, it's great to see your faces here. A special uh, hello to those who are watching from the church just across the green. We'll see you soon as we do the Lord's Supper together later and, uh, and uh, welcome as well if you're watching online. Uh, it's great to have you with us. Um, I'm not old enough to remember the space race of the 1960s or the moon landing of 1969. I am just old enough to remember the birth of Star Wars. Uh, it's a much more exciting type of space <laughs> uh, exploration. But 1977 left a vague impression on me. I was quite young, I've got to confess. But the Star Wars phenomenon kept me going to the movies throughout the 80s. Uh, I remember even the Indiana Jones franchise, uh, the Goonies. Ghostbusters, don't get me started on Back to the Future. Uh, I'll, have you talk, I'll be talking to you for hours. The 80s were a fantastic era for going to the movies. I loved it. Uh, they were shaped, they were a, a moment, it shaped me somewhat. But that was my childhood. When I became an adult, I remember vividly the year 2000. That was the year that I got married. But it was also the year that the Olympics came to Sydney. And maybe you can remember that. I don't think that we've had a better spring season ever. It was just the, the sky was always blue and everyone was happy. It was a wonderful time to be alive and in Sydney. These are my personal experiences uh, that, uh, that I'm describing, but I'm describing events that shape a life. And I wonder what experiences have shaped your life. Why don't you cast your mind back through the years of the things that have influenced you and shaped you? 2001 of course, gave the world the shattering event of 9-11. And many of us remember that day. 
But there are some, even in this room, who weren't alive at that stage, and so they will learn about 9-11 secondhand, maybe even seeing the footage on, on, uh, on YouTube or something. Just as we remember the world wars, even though we weren't there, we learn about them, they shape us, they mould us, they teach us something. And I'm sure that for many, many years to come, we'll be talking about 2020 and working out what actually effect did it have on us individually, uh, in our society and internationally. It has had an impact and we will be uncovering that for years to come because history shapes us. History shapes us. And there was an event that took place in the first century AD that changed this planet forever. None of us saw it, none of us saw it, but all of us here today have heard about it. In fact, you heard about it just a few minutes ago as we read through Mark's Gospel. On the very first Easter, Jesus of Nazareth was executed. It seems like a very small event in the scheme of things, a Middle Eastern man uh, a long, long time ago in a country far, far away, uh, was treated poorly and, and died. He's not the only person in human history who's been, who's been treated poorly. The human race is flooded with inhumane things that we've done to one another. So why do we remember his death? What's so important about his death? Why has it shaped our world so much? because Christianity has, had, has made a great big imprint on, our, on, on this world. Well, we remember the death of Christ because his death on the cross matters. It matters a lot, it matters immensely. It makes a universal difference, both to the world that we live in and to you personally and to me personally, it makes a colossal difference. It's not simply that he died, it's knowing who died and why he died that makes a massive difference. It, it, it's not simply that, uh, that a man died and we remember him, but what he did and who he is affects you and affects me. In 1 Corinthians 15, the second Bible reading that we had, Paul writes a letter to the Corinthian church, and in that chapter, he says these words, brothers and sisters, I wanna remind you of the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What a concise statement, very short. God wants us to remember the gospel for a very clear and important reason. So why remember the gospel? It's my first point is why remember this gospel? Why is it so significant? And verse two gives us this clarity, why it's so essentially important. Verse two says, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. So I want us, first of all, to just to sink, let that sink in. Listen carefully to what the Bible is saying to us right here, right now, that if you hold firmly to the gospel, then you are saved. You're not being saved. You are saved. If you hold firmly to the gospel, you are saved. But listen carefully to the flip side of that coin. If you do not, then you are not saved. So why do we remember the gospel? Because it makes a difference between whether you are saved or not. If you don't keep it, adore it, hold fast to it, understand it, the gospel will not save you. But if you know it, 
accept it and stand firm in it, then you are saved already. It's fantastic. This wonderful piece of information that we remember on this day, this Good Friday, that Christ died on the cross. If you know it, accept it and stand firm in it, you are saved already. The gospel is life-changing because it's knowledge of God's plans, you see. Uh, for you and for me it's not a mystery what god wants to do with this world it, it, he has revealed everything to us it's like he's laid out his hand uh you know, he hasn't kept it close to his chest he's put it on the table for us all to see the past the present and the future and you can be and you are a part of this plan one way or another depending on what you do with the message of the gospel But on the other hand, it's a message that will condemn you if you ignore it, disregard it, or forget it. It's a message that, will, that keeps you safely in God's hands and in his kingdom if you believe it, but rejected by him if you reject it. The Easter message is not about pleasantries, is it? I mean, we've, on Wood Friday, we read out the story of Jesus' death on the cross. It's not about pleasantries. It's about the death of Christ and it's about doing business with God. Perhaps the urgency of being saved has been lost to our society somehow. Perhaps that urgency of being saved has been lost. Uh, It seems that finding yourself is the primary agenda in a person's life these days. That's what movies seem to speak to me in this day and age. If you can be true to yourself, find the true you and live the true you, then you have somehow saved yourself but the bible disagrees with that entirely in fact it's illogical to think that you can save yourself we need saving and that therefore means that we need a savior perhaps it's sin itself the word sin that's been lost to our modern society our modern culture to some the word sin uh, is linked with the word naughtiness that uh, you, you can say something like, I, I hope this doesn't send me to hell, as if there's something that, we, that would finally push you over the edge of, of offending God, and so he would, because of that thing, he will send you to hell. But the, the reality is actually a lot more stark than that. The truth is that we are all, by default, in danger of hell, heading to hell because of the wrath of God. We all need to be rescued from God's wrath because of sin. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 1. He puts it like this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. You see, sin is not about naughtiness. Sin is about a life of ignorance and arrogance towards our maker. Sin describes how we are rebels, enemies of God, lost because we have abandoned God. In the world that God made, we care very little about him, give him very little thought. Even Christians struggle to think uh, well of God. It should be perfectly natural when you think about it. It should be perfectly natural for us to praise God and thank him and trust him. Just as natural as breathing oxygen, we should, we should trust our God, but we deny him and ignore him and we don't trust him. So what do we need saving from? Well, some might say that we need saving from ourselves, and that is true. But we need to be saved from the wrath of God uh, because of our sin. 
That's the Bible's clear message. That's why we need to remember the gospel. That's why we need to remember the gospel and to be affected by it. When you see a warning sign, you don't look at it and then ignore it. You see a warning sign and you respond to it. You do something about it. So what is this message? If it's, if it's something we need to remember and hold on to and cling to, then what is it? Well, Paul gives us this really brief statement, which apparently was well known to the Corinthian church when he wrote to them. He says to them in verse 3, uh, a couple of words, and I want to step through them, this in three, three sections. The first thing that Paul says is that Christ died. Christ died. Now you just press the pause button and, and mull over that for a bit. One famous book puts it simply that Jesus was more than a carpenter. He is God's promised one. He is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He is God's precious Son, invaluable to the Father. Jesus was the promised one who would be sent by God to deal with sin in the world. So when we say that Christ died, just notice that we're not saying simply Jesus died, but Christ died the most important figure in the universe, God's promised one sent from his side is the one who died. So the first reality to grasp is that the, it's the Messiah and that he died. It's colossal. You know, the, the four Gospels that we are so familiar with, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they spend the entire journey teaching us who this Jesus is and why he died. If you like, the four Gospels, the purpose of them as they're being written and read, is to explain why Jesus had to die and rise to life again. To answer who is this Jesus who died and then rose to life again and why is that so important? So they convince us that Jesus is the Messiah and that he definitely died. Uh, if we step outside the scriptures and we want to look to a uh, historian, famously we turn to a man named Josephus, who in the very first century, in the very, writing to the very generation who knew Jesus and saw Jesus, Josephus recorded that Jesus, known as the Christ, was put to death on a cross by the governor Pontius Pilate. You know, that's why in our creed that we read just a few moments ago, we say, suffered under Pontius Pilate. Not because Pontius Pilate is particularly important, but because he is a historic figure. And this death that Jesus died was a real part of history. And so that's why it made it into the creed, because he didn't, we don't just think he died or imagine that he died, he died. There was registration and eyewitnesses that showed him hung on the cross, died and buried. The fact that Jesus lived and died is not controversial. The bigger question is what importance was his death and the fact is that the Messiah died, but the second statement is that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. So John the Baptist, I don't you famously remember in John chapter 1, John the Baptist pointed at Jesus and said to his disciples, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' mission was to take away our sin, to remove it. The problem that we can't uh, deal with our own on our own Jesus comes sent by the father and says I'm taking that from you now I don't know what tasks you find too hard to do maybe it's changing a car tire maybe it's baking a cake I don't know maybe it's just keeping up with all the stresses and things that you have to do to cope in this modern age 
But isn't it wonderful sometimes when you have something on your to-do list that you just can't, can't get to because it's too hard or there's too many other things in the way that you know it's important to deal with but you just can't, you can't get to it. Isn't it wonderful when someone comes in and says, oh, I'll take that off you. Done. Consider it done. It's taken care of. This is what God does for us when he sees the burden of sin weighing us down. He says, well, I will send my son who will take away this sin problem. He'll deal with it for, for us entirely. So the short gospel statement is this, Christ died for our sins. Because of our sins, we ought to die. But for our sins, Christ died. That's, that is magnificent. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says this, Christ suffered once. He suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. That's the gospel. That is, uh, that's God's most important one, the Messiah, that he died. And he died for you. How wonderful is this message? We've just been reading as a church through the book of Colossians. Uh, I've enjoyed doing that. And I wonder if you remember from Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, we read, He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That's where our sins are taken. That's where our sins are dealt with. That's where our sins are removed on our behalf. Christ died for our sins, and that is a good deal. That is a great deal. That is a deal you just don't find anywhere else. In fact, when it comes to the Scriptures, that's the only deal that you're given. There's no other way but to deal with the Gospel. Christ died for our sins. Will you accept it? Will you love it, cherish it, and remember it? We remember this Gospel and cling to it because it's the only good deal we can ever have and make with God because that's the deal that God is making with us. And what a great deal it is. And I wanna, I wanna, there's one last part of Paul's statement. He has said, Christ died for our sins. And there's one, one last section of this, which I think is brilliant. And it's one thing that really keeps me solidly connected to this gospel message. It's the third part of his phrase, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. See, what's brilliant is that it, 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 it all happened just as God planned it would be. There's two things that hold, two major truths that hold me fast to this gospel. The first one is, I've already alluded to it, the first thing is that it is grounded in history. Christ really lived, Christ really died. Uh, Christianity is not, first and foremost, a religion. It's not one of many ways of thinking about God. That's not at the heart of Christianity. Christianity is a response to an historic event. It's a community of people, we call them the church, it's a community of people who, who hold firmly to the gospel truth that Christ died and he died for our sins. And the resurrection, which we're going to look at on Sunday, Paul goes through the rest of 1 Corinthians 15 to convince us and remind us that this resurrection is historic as well. It's not fairy tales and myths and legends. It really happened and it really affected the world that we live in. So the first thing that holds me tight to the gospel is that it is history, not made up. But the second truth that holds me fast to the gospel is that it's not only history, but it's grounded in ancient history. 
And I don't just mean 2,000-year-old history. I mean the thousands of years before that. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This was never plan B for God. This is his plan. The whole Bible is an explanation of God's plan to save the world through Christ. The very first day that sin entered the world, the very day that sin entered the world, in Genesis chapter 3, God informed us that he would send a son to conquer evil. Genesis 3.15, not a day went by. God did not go to bed that night and think up a plan. The very day that sin entered the world, he had a plan to send the son into the world to, to, to conquer evil. The point of the Old Testament is to prepare us for the Messiah. The point of the Old Testament is to prepare Israel and the entire world for the need of Jesus. The laws of Moses highlight our great need for sin to be dealt with because with, with, with our sin we can't approach a holy God. And the same laws of Moses provide a clear message of how, we will finally, how sin is finally dealt with. Remember again what John the Baptist said. He looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a peculiar phrase, the Lamb of God. Well, that's because John knows that Jesus is what the Old Testament laws, the sacrificial laws, are pointing to him and his sacrifice, that he is the great Lamb because sin was always to be dealt with through death, the death of an innocent one. The Bible teaches us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Hebrews 9 teaches us that, and Leviticus 17 is what it's teaching us from. Now, I'm not going to go pursue every corner of the Old Testament. Uh, again, I could, we could spend all day talking about how all of the stories in the Scriptures point to Jesus, and all of the accounts in the New Testament point back to Jesus. He is the plan of God to take away the sin of the world. Uh, we're not, we're not going to cover everything and see how God's plan was always for the forever king to come and to take away sin and death. How the accounts of Abraham and Moses and David and Elijah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Daniel and Jonah and all the name, names you can remember in the Old Testament, they all point to the, to the work of Jesus Christ. But that's the point of Scripture, do you see? According to the Scriptures... Christ died for our sins. It's not a side agenda. According to the scriptures, the Christ would come and deal with sin through suffering. There is one great example that I think would help us today. Uh, the book of Isaiah was written several hundred years before Jesus uh, arrived in that manger and then hung on the cross and three days later rose to life again. Several hundred years before, that, before those events took place, Isaiah was written, but it's clearly talking about the gospel. Isaiah 53, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Listen to what Isaiah 53 says. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by God, and afflicted by God. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Today we remember the cross of Christ. 
Today we remember that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. It's not a superficial memory. There's many things that shape our lives, but this one is the most important thing. It's not just a religious festival. It's an historic event which puts you on the right side of God or leaves you standing against God, depending on how firmly you hold to this message. It's an event which ought to affect us because it's the power of God to save us. It's for us. It's a message for you, for your good. And so we remember it. We hold fast to it. We love it. We learn more about it. We live it. And we remain steadfast in it and ever thankful for it. So brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to it. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Amen.